Film podcast. I'm Martin Saunders, and I just thought what? that's that. I was just oh, sort of, I was, I was, I was like, oh, got my lippy on. I was living the fantasy there. Living because the what I'd like to do is do just a podcast about films. Oh, I see what you mean. I thought you meant this was being filmed. No, right? no, no, no. My no, 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 you, you thought you were being filmed. I was. I pulled my tummy. In. Wow, you went all <laughs> Rachel on God TV. <laughs> that's amazing. No, yeah. I thought it'd be fun if we did a whole podcast yes. talking about films. Okay, no. Have you seen any films this year? Oh no! You always you always ask me, and it's always something I haven't like asked Pride and Prejudice or well, Anne with an E. You saw Pride and Prejudice this year. Yeah, and films like The Notebook and basically Netflix. Have you, have you seen any romantic. films at the cinema no, this year? No, no. Have you, Martin? Yeah, like every week. Every week. Do you write about them? By I, I do. That oh, wasn't what that wasn't what I was getting at. Okay. I just thought it would be. Not, I thought I was gambling essentially. Because yeah. I thought, we haven't talked about films for about no. ten weeks. No. I thought, well, it's enough time for Rachel Lovely. to have been to the cinema. <laughs> I, do you know what? I think Rachel needs a babysitter. I do need a babysitter. Wait, where I do you live, live London? Yeah, London. and I live really near to a, a cinema as well, right. so there's no excuse. So you can email yeah. us with yeah. your offers of babysitting. Thank you. I'm not sure that's... <laughs> I'm not sure we can actually do <laughs> no, that. I don't do that. But, but anyway... Um, but if anyone from your church is listening, yes. Rachel yes. needs a night out. I do. And then she needs to use it to go and see a film that didn't come out 15 years Victorian ago. Victorian Abdul. I want to go and see Victorian Abdul. There you Abdul. go. Would you, would you approve that one? Uh, I, that... I haven't seen it, Victorian Abdul. Okay. okay. But it's nice. That's a nice... That's looks a nice, nice thought, isn't yeah. it? That I'm going to go and see that. Anyway, all this time that you and I have been yakking on about films, we have the most wonderful person sat between us who has come to be interviewed. Oh, yeah. Oh, Brilliant. That's who that is. That's who that is. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> this is Naomi from XLP. Naomi, can you just tell us your... You're more than your job description, but just so that we can land this, tell us, what do you do at XLP? Okay, well, hello. Um, I am the Ministries Director at XLP, which means that I kind of look at the external comms of who we are, and then look at it, internal culture of like, how do we live out who we say we are? Oh my goodness, that's like amazing stuff. Do we have that at Youthscape? I don't think we have I that. I don't even have that. No. Do you want to come and do that at Youthscape? Uh, Patrick, I hope Patrick's not listening. Say. You're not really allowed to do that. <laughs> no, oh exactly. no, poaching. Naomi is amazing. I'd love you to come work with us. But anyway, so we now, I think probably everybody listening to this will have heard of XLP. Such a well loved, such a well respected organisation. And how long have you been working with XLP? Um, well, so full time I've worked with XLP for just over six years. Um, so for five of those years, I was actually one of the frontline youth workers leading all of our youth work in the borough of Lewisham. But uh, my, I guess my link to XLP started 11 years ago when I actually did the gap year when I was 18. Wow. Um, just before uh, going off to university, I, I moved from sunny Tunbridge Wells, which wow. is very much not like uh, South East London. Yeah. <laughs> And um, went and uh, lived and worked there for a year, kind of exposing myself to what urban youth work looks like. Fantastic. And uh, I just want to know if she's seen any films. <laughs> have you, have you, do you go to yeah. the cinema? Um, I do, but I haven't been in a long time. I'll tell you what, though. This year, my the favourite film that I've seen has been Lion. Oh, yeah, that is Actually, I've seen Lion. I've seen Lion. Yeah. It's great. I do it? love that. Oh. I, and like, I mean, for ages afterwards, yes. my friends would be like, "Kudu, kudu." Oh. It's like absolutely. We should maybe explain in case people haven't seen it because it opens with this little boy becoming. Uh, he, he gets separated from his, his mum, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, and his brother. In India. Yeah. Is it southern India? Yeah. And it's just desperate. And it's the most powerful 
bit of footage I've ever seen of what it actually might be like for a child who's a street child in, in a really impoverished community. Mm. I mean, it is so powerful, isn't it? Yeah, I wept pretty much most yeah, of the way through. all the way through. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely a weepy. It's brilliant. Oh, I cried in line. See, that's a better yeah. proper film. And you've seen it, I Rachel. I've seen it as well. You so did. the three of us have come together and might Do you know what I'm really worried about now? What's just, that? just thinking back, I think the last time I tried to talk to you about a film <laughs> on the Usegate podcast... We talked about Lion. Oh, I think no. that was the film you see. Oh, we're in a time war. Literally, our lives oh are that God. small. I know. It's well, that's, that's probably also my fault. I didn't oh, yeah, yeah, that much. <laughs> you brought the line. Not banging you at all. So, Naomi. So, yes. um, so, so, what does your day-to-day work look like at, at XLP then? What do you do on a, you know, you go on a Monday morning. What do you actually do? Oh well, Monday morning is a great day to go in because um, ultimately we have we have our staff meeting on a Monday morning. So all of our frontline youth work staff and our back office staff all meet together. And uh, first of all, we're in groups and we pray together. We have a staff meeting, and the rest of the day generally is taken up with uh, actually having the meetings because we don't see each other the rest of the right, week because okay. we're all out delivering youth work. So what's the scope of that youth work then? So you know, how many actual frontline youth workers are we talking about? Yeah. So XLP now is. Um, close to 40, um, 40 members of staff. Wow. We work across nine boroughs in London. Um, going from, if you think of us, think of uh, central London and think Camden in a semicircle all the way around to Lambeth. Um, we're working in those nine boroughs, wow. which are particularly uh, high in uh, child poverty and high rates of antisocial behaviour in mm. young people. Mm. And it started like. Quite in in quite recent memory, didn't it? XLP? It's not it's not a very old charity. It's twenty one years old. 20, yeah, yeah. yeah, it started with one guy, Patrick Regan, OBE, <laughs> and um, he he basically started XLP following um, the stabbing of a young boy in a, a playground that was very close to his school, uh, close to his home. Um, but basically, he got seventeen people to give him twenty five pounds a month and started XLP. Mm-hmm. And from that, in the last 21 years, it's grown to now 40 full-time members of staff, plus gap year students, degree mm. students, apprentices. And, that, and that's what XLP is very well known for, isn't it? Both in the church, but also particularly in central government and local authority in London, about reaching some of the hardest to reach young people who are engaged in what we would call antisocial behaviour, criminal behaviour, exploitative behaviour. And, and XLP for a long time has really been flagging up the needs of these young people and also providing us with resources to get in, engaged. And one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, Naomi, particularly was when we think about knife g- c- crime, gang culture, I think many of us will think about boys and we need to be talking about yeah. boys. But I want to talk to you about girls. So girls involved in violent friendship groups, can we call them gangs? People don't always identify that word, mm-hmm. do they? And, and, and XLB did a report for the CSJ, the Centre for Social Justice, about girls in gangs. Tell us a little bit about that. I'd love to hear what you're seeing about how girls engage with these sorts of groups. Well, I think, I guess, first of all, generally, like the, the biggest problem is that there is no one definition of what a gang is. So when some people talk about gang, they could just talk about a group of kids who are hanging out in a street corner. In Dubbridge Wells. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And they're not necessarily actually yeah. involving themselves in criminal activity. Um, however, in London, where we're based, um, we're seeing groups of young people who are actively involved in quite serious criminal activity and and drug running. And so um, those kind of groups of young people are mainly young men. But the way that girls can uh, get involved is mainly due to, I guess, wanting to have a level of status, a level of belonging. Um, And there is a lot of, uh, I guess, perceived love that can come from being part of a gang. I mean, the report that we we wrote was actually... um, 
focus on this idea that we just don't even have a scale of the problem when it mm-hmm. comes to girls being involved with gangs. There's an incredibly high amount of sexual exploitation happening. Um, some of the case studies that we were able to collect uh, for the CSJ just showed that girls being exposed to rape and multiple um, people yeah, basically using, using, them, yeah. Uh, using them sexually uh, and having absolutely no control over that. And then also being used to recruit younger girls who can then be used by the gang. Um, also being able to hide guns and knives and drugs and money. Uh, I think it's really interesting. Uh, the report found that when police stop and search, only 5% of the time do they stop and search girls. Yeah. 95% is guys. Um, but a lot of the time, guys are using their girlfriends or using their links mm. um, links another word for actually girls who they can just call to have sex with um, and they're using them to store things for them so that they won't get caught. Mm-hmm. So these are girls who are very vulnerable even before they get involved in some of these gang groups because of what's gone on in their past? Do they have other stuff that's gone on for them? I think I'd probably best describe it as um, it's really, I, I spoke to a guy about this, uh, one of our young people, who was saying that Naomi you don't understand about gangs. Uh, it's not a choice to join a gang. Actually, if you grow up in an area where the people that you've seen every day going to school, they get involved in criminal activity. Just because you know them, you are associated with that gang. So at that point, you have a choice. Do I actually just sign up and get involved? Or do I blank them, in which case I become a target? And um, I think very similarly for girls who are growing up on, particularly council estates, where there are high levels of of crime, um, it's not as easy or as simple as just saying, oh, I don't want to be involved. Um, And a lot of the time, people start off as their friends. And if you're involved in a gang and you've got access to a large amount of money, then you're also seen as powerful. And if you're a girl and you're thinking, you know what, this guy is buying me presents and if I get into trouble with anyone, he'll go and sort it out. Actually, that can be seen as, oh, I've got protection and, oh, I've got someone who's buying me stuff, they must love me. Um, If you don't get that from anywhere else um, in your circle, if you're living in a family where actually your parents are either working all the time um, or for whatever reason aren't providing that for you, I think it's very attractive initially. So I'm, and I'm just choking up actually hearing you yeah. talk about this because we, we do something very tiny, nothing like what XLP does. It. We're beginning to work here in Luton with, with the boys and the girls, the, the boys that are referred to us by the Guns and Gangs Unit and the girls who, who are referred to us through social services and others and don't realise quite yeah. how deep they're in this stuff because as you say, there was no active choice at any point to get involved with stuff. So lots of people listening to this are just like, we love young people. Like the thought that there are young people who, because of where they live, because of maybe the family that they're part of, this this is an inevitability for them. It's just heartbreaking. Mm. So what can we we do? Because many of us, as you say, might not live even in places where Mm. we're close to young people who are experiencing this. Or maybe we are and we just haven't noticed it. So firstly, how do we identify, do you think, that somebody is being exploited criminally or sexually? Um, I think ultimately um, one of XLP's core core values is all about relationship and this the idea that you're never going to know anything about a young person unless you have a relationship with them. Yeah. So you don't know what's normal for someone until you get to know them and then you can actually be able to tell a little bit what is out of the norm and when particularly um, we kind of are noticing that the transition between year six and year seven is a really vulnerable time and it's a time where for a lot of our young people that's 
kind of the down the downward spiral begins right then but if you've been working with them through that transition you kind of know what's your normal and hold on a second you're now getting kicked out of your class every week that's not normal or oh hold on a second like your your mum's called me because you're always out all the time and you haven't been coming home at night that's not normal for you and you can have that relationship that that conversation with young people I think I, I guess every young person um, is unique in themselves but this idea of um, all young people want love and affection. They want mm. to be included. Mm. They want to belong somewhere. Mm. And uh, for this isn't just for for kids who live in um, like urban contexts, but every kid, wherever you are, they want yeah. to know that there is a place where they can be known and belong. And um, I guess for churches, for youth workers, this idea of trying to see kids who clearly aren't belonging, like mm. whether they don't mm. have any friends, whether they're always out on the on the streets, not hanging out with anyone, whether they, you know that they're just bored and they're like, I, 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 when near where I live, there's um, a group of kids who are always out kicking a football um, in the middle of the road. And I'm always like, oh my days, one, one day someone is gonna get hit by a car mm. because it's used as a bit of a rat run. Um, but just th those kids who you think, oh, hold on a second, like, I'm not sure if they actually have anything else to do, anyone else to hang out with. I think those are the kind of kids where you kind of want to have a little flag because it's very easy for people to drift and to not necessarily realise where they're going to end up. But as I said, like building relationship is first and foremost what you have to do with young people. Absolutely. That is beautiful. I mean, I'm like you, Rachel. I'm, I'm sitting here just like, I feel like I've been hit by a truck listening to this. And it, it's just so, uh, it feels a bit hopeless to me. And I, we'll, get, we'll go somewhere from there. But... Um, but it does because you're describing just just generations of mm. of young people just growing up in this uh, in this context, trapped. Mm. completely trapped, mm. total victims. Um, I guess you know the girls, almost all of them are victims of this. Some of the guys are victims as well because they get kind of brought into it, and again, there's no way out. Mm. This thing you said just was so profound that someone said to you then uh, that you either choose to be in the gang or you're you're either with you're us target. or you're against us. You're mm. a target, like. Like how? Like at that point, the church has to say, surely, like everybody listening to this is like, no way. Like there's got to be a third option there. There's got to be a another group that you can join. There's got to be another place for you. There's got to be somebody else who's going to stand in that gap. Um, and so I just, I just wonder, like, like we, we obviously it's great that we do um, outreach work and we mm -hmm. work, but but there's got to be a bigger picture to this, hasn't there? There's got to be a bigger voice to the whole church. There's got to be. There's got to be a voice to politics. There's got to be a voice to government. Like, like you just listen to this. If people only heard this, surely, surely they'd do something about it, right? Oh, so, you would hope so. You would yeah. hope so. So what? So you guys, XLP, like you are involved in that stuff. So you are involved in talking to the church. You are involved in in government as well. And um, you know, it, have you seen progress there? Have you seen things start to change? Have you seen people start to take notice? Well, one of the, the things that really came out of our report was this idea that unless a girl commits a criminal offence or for some reason is admitted to emergency care, that they're invisible. You just don't know, unless they like, I don't know, start truanting from school, but schools can't really keep track a lot of the time. And um, the police can't intervene unless there's a criminal activity taking place. And obviously um, NHS and medical services don't get involved until someone gets hurt. And what was really interesting is that the, we sat in a meeting and the head of the police said to, said to the third sector, you are the only people who are going to see these young people in their context. If you're going to go to them, then you're the ones who will be able to pick up before everything escalates. And so I think there's an element of the people who are willing to go. 
um, the people who are willing to get outside of their comfort zones mm. and go into places which are guess different to where you would normally grow up. Yeah. As I said, I grew yeah. up in Tunbridge Wells in a very nice area yeah. and didn't wasn't at all exposed to what it was like to grow up on a council estate. However, it's been so exciting for me just to get to know people because people are people. Mm. Um, and the fact is, is that I think so much of the time we can be scared of an outward exterior of someone. Um, I can remember, I'm for those of you who are listening, I'm like five foot two, um, I have blonde hair. I'm, I'm very, basically, I'm, I'm tiny in comparison to most of the young people that I work with. And um, one of the first times that I walked onto a, an estate when I just started working, I was surrounded by about six foot six guys, like they're 16 year olds with like full on beards. And I was like, oh my days. <laughs> What's good? If, I, I was just thinking like, if, if anything kicks off here, I literally can do nothing. Yeah. But in those, in those situations, realizing that the power of relationship is mm. is bigger than that, actually, and the fact that young people can grow to respect you so much that they do actually listen to what you say, and they're not going to create any trouble because they actually really love you. And mm. I think for, for the church, there's this element of being willing to actually go and not doing it doing it in a tokenistic way of mm. saying, okay, we're going to do a mission week. Mm. Okay, well, that's great for that one week, but mm. in terms of sustainable relationships, young people need those. And um, I think sometimes those kind of weeks can do more harm than good, just in terms of, well, hold on a second, you were here for a week and you said that you love me, and you, mm. all of these things, but actually you just disappeared again. Yeah. Um, and young so people just powerful. need the consistency. They need to hear that. One of them, we've got some wonderful volunteers here in Luton, it's local men that, that just have a passion for interrupting in teenage boys' lives this kind of inevitability of acting up in criminal behaviour and all that kind of stuff. And one of these lads, one of these um, male mentors went into school to meet one of the boys that's going to join our Interrupt Project. And the lad sat in front of him and he just began to beat his chest, this 14-year-old boy saying, I need an elder, I need a leader. And the, I'm going to get choked saying this, but the male mentor, an older guy who he wouldn't necessarily say he was an expert in any of this, began to beat his own chest saying, I'll be your leader, I'll be your elder. And this is a really powerful moment of saying, actually, if you're, if you're willing to think that your life could be different, I'm, I'll walk that, I have no idea where that'll take us, but I'm willing to walk that with you. If you need to learn to start being a bit more invisible in the gang. So, yeah, and it was just incredible. I think you're right, the, re- the power of that relationship is, we need to remember that, don't we? The, um, the, the best book I've read in the last five years is a book called Just Mercy by a chap called Brian Stevenson. And Brian Stevenson is a, uh, a lawyer in, uh, in Alabama who set up a, a center which is designed to get people uh, who have been wrongly convicted of uh, death row offenses off of death row and he's given his whole life uh, you know well educated man uh, it could have been a hot shot lawyer earning millions and he's given his life to uh, rescuing Amazing, guys from, yeah. from death row and he saved many many lives um, through doing that and I, I was very privileged to hear him speak in London uh, off the back of this book and the thing that's really stuck with me that he said he said if you want to change the world if you want to see uh, injustice challenge you want to see mm. things change you have to get approximate to <sighs> The, yeah. uh, to the need, you have to get close. Um, proximity is is everything. Not just for a week, mm. but like maybe years and years and years. And I, you know, I think we say that, but we throw that around in Christian circles. This idea that you've got, and you, as you say, we go and do a week with people in need, or we go and do a project with people in need. But mm. but if we're really serious of, about actually seeing this kind of situation that you just described, if we actually want to see that change 
it means years of investment from the same person or the same group of people week after week after week. And that's what XLP do. That is what you guys do. You, yes. you, yeah. You're in those, all those areas yes. and you are with those young people and you're walking through with from 11 to 18 and beyond with some of those guys and maybe either side of that. Yeah. And, and that's amazing. And also should be a real... Uh, encouragement, but also a challenge to everyone else. A who's beacon listening. to the yeah. church, absolutely. One of our, I guess, strap lines is this idea that hope is the refusal to accept a situation as it is, mm. and this idea that actually, like for a lot of young people, they cannot see a situation that is different to where where they currently are in. So they can't see what life is like if they were to move themselves out of this group of friends or out of this this gang, out of the the criminal activity they're involved in. They can't see it, um, but the, this idea that by building relationships, you can nurture the belief that change is possible. Mm. And um, one of our, our really, uh, I guess, our holding points is uh, Revelation 21, where it talks about a new heaven and a new earth, and this idea about being able to see what is not yet, and living in the now, but like believing mm. for the not yet. And um, we, we try and uh, do this task once a year or so where we just sit down and think about the communities we're working in and think, what would it be like if Jesus' kingdom came in this area? And um, really try and pray those dreams into, into being. And I think all you can do in these kind of situations is really trust that Jesus is present. <laughs> um, because there are times when it's really hopeless and you don't know how to work with a young person. And like... Uh, you're trying all that you can and they, they're still kind of a bit apathetic about it even though you know that they're not happy and mm. all of those things. But trusting that, I think that there is a day when Jesus redeems everything and knowing that you get to be part of that process, that is definitely what keeps me going. Wow, um, wow Naomi, wow. thank you. Thank you so much for being with us today. And if people want to find out more about XLP or just come to some of the training you do, you run sort of mentoring training programs, particularly for the year six, seven transition, don't you? Just let us know the, the website, how can people find out more about you? Yeah, um, our website is xlp.org.uk and uh, you can find details of all of our training and resources online. There. And then people can find you on Twitter. They can. As Smiley Nay, is that yes, right? Yes, at Smiley Nay. Ah. And, and, and that is because you are the ridiculously <laughs> most smiliest person I've ever seen. Even in my as life. you're telling us stuff that is heartbreaking because yeah. you've got hope. No, I mean, she's not smiling. Beautiful. She's not smiling no, during that it's heart. Not during the whole smiling. Not, it's not smiling. <laughs> but when I, was, when I was talking, she's just got one of those yeah. faces yeah. that is just like, she's I'm going to. She's got a face. She's got a face. And she's got one of those faces that sort of has an encouraging smile when she's listening. She's smiling now. We love you, Nay. I'm really glad that this is how we. This. Well, the great the great thing is you're still here for the game, and yes. the game oh, great. the game is being filmed. Oh, wonderful! Right, okay. Because if you go to our Patreon site, which yes. is Patreon.com/slash/youthscape, uh, you can find the video of the game, right. and therefore you'll be able to see Smiley Nays smile. Smiley Nays, she's beautiful, isn't she? So good. But right. not when we're telling okay. very sad stories. Okay. Yeah. The Youthscape Podcast. We have a game and we have Naomi, Smiley Nay, who's going to do this game from XLP with us. And Naomi, have you seen one of these before? It's called an old filing box, because me and Martin are like 90s kids. And uh, if you open this, inside there is something that is of the bygone youth culture era in it. Mm. And we need to try and work out what it is. Do we have any funny stories <laughs> about it? What does it tell us about Jesus? Are you ready? I'm I'll ready. Let, I'll, I'll let you open the box. Bygone, is it? 
You build that as bygone era. Well, you said things move on so rapidly. That is kind of bygone now, isn't it? Except it's been around for a while. Hold? Do you want to? I will. Yeah. I'm just gonna say. So I mean, I mean, let's not let's not pretend we don't know what this is. Okay. This is obviously a Tamagotchi. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> tattoo, tattoo things. No, it's a, it's a fidget spinner. It's a fidget spinner. And Correct. they've actually been around quite a long time. It's just that the craze only hit, what, a month ago? Two months ago? Towards well, the end of last term, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Summer a craze time. then. And it was such a craze that I actually saw a video on Facebook of how you can make biscuit f- fidget spinners. Oh, what? Wow. Yes. Like, there is a recipe for making, like, cookies. That actually move. Well, <laughs> I didn't make them myself. Um, however, I was just like, wow, someone's really loving the fidget spinner thing. I think Martin's quite proud of the fact that he's making it go. Is you it... know you can do tricks with these. I, well, I don't really know. Like, what, what's going to do one? Oh no, that wasn't, that wasn't really, that, all like, I did there was, was just flick it up in there. You're yeah. supposed to, while it's spinning, you flick it and then you catch it on oh, your see. finger. But I can't, do we know I, I don't know that I can do that, I just thought I'd try it. Because they've oh, kind of gone off the boil control. now, haven't no, they? Not. They've gone off the boil. Just going to say, it was like one of those like, yeah, one hit wonders. Like, yeah. like, like those bracelets, you know, I can't remember the, Scoobies. Oh, the Scoobies, yes. yes. But actually my friend, my neighbour works with young people with um, severe learning difficulties and she got a bit frustrated when these came out a couple of months ago. Because she said actually, often for children with, with learning difficulties, having something in their hand to fidget with mm-hmm. can be quite helpful, like kinesthetic learning. And she was saying that they were getting quite frustrated that people were banning it from schools. Because ah, actually for yeah. some kids, Actually, sitting fiddling with something is quite a good learning really thing. That's where so they came from. That's, that's where it came from. Yeah, exactly. They're so, um, so we we we, uh, we have to know what it is. Is a, a fidget spinner? When was it popular? First half of this year. Yeah. Uh, what do you do with it? Fidget or spin and spin it. Got any funny stories, Naomi? <laughs> um, I have limited stories with fidget spinners. I have seen someone try to do it and like basically just fling it into um, oblivion. Um, <gasps> you that could hurt someone, couldn't you? Yeah, it was actually um, a little kid at my church on a Sunday morning went to like flick it and basically just launched it like a boomerang across. Uh, it could like <laughs> do some quite damage. I feel like stuff, you want to have it? a little play. Oh, it's a heavy. Oh, now this is the interesting. This is the heavy one because I've only ever bought the really cheapy plastic ones that yeah. break within the first couple of seconds. Yeah. Was that now, now that is quite I could get That's quite a quality fidget that. spinner. You know my my oh, story's a bit sad. So my six year old Samuel had been asking for a fidget spinner for ages. I didn't buy him one for, for ages. ages. Well, like ages. three weeks. And like, I, long yeah, time yeah. and I bought him one, and then literally he went, <laughs> dropped it, smashed. Oh, cried. And he cried. He was like, "Oh, it's oh. broken. It's broken. Can you get me another one?" Oh, I was no, like, "No, just... I think you're gonna learn a life lesson now." So <laughs> Life lessons. Why is it as parents we teach our kids life lessons when they're crying? Like they're crying and then it's like because we're terrible parents. Terrible parents are just fed up with. I'm not a parent, so I'm not a terrible one yet. No, well done, well done. Can you use it as a youth work talk illustration? I, I think because it's too close to the... I mean, I've heard people do talks about Trinity yeah. and that kind of stuff. But I think it's too close to the era. I think it just sounds a bit cheesy. Oh, yeah. Well, Pope it's Francis, Pope did, Francis did a homily did where he? He, he compared the fidget spinner to the well, Trinity. he's not cheesy. And I as, like as it Francis. moves around, it sort of becomes Dance. one. As you spin it fast, <gasps> it becomes one. So it's like... It's like the three in one, but it's, the, oh, but it's the one. Pope Francis, I yeah. take it all back. He's down with the kids. Awesome. He's down, he with, down it, with it, isn't he? That's brilliant. So there you go, that's your, your third talk go. illustration. Fab, right, okay, well, put all those things back in the box, ready for another time, another era. 
Um, brilliant so thank you so much Naomi for coming and being with us today thank you all you wonderful listeners for listening we need to say some special thank yous to some special people that tune in every week without fail oh yeah hello to Vicky Piggott Genge Vicky Piggott Genge uh, hello to Ollie Deeks yeah and hello to and there's also a Mrs Deeks I don't know her Is name because they're newly married so I think we should say Ollie Deeks and Mrs Deeks wow you're extending it I am extending it I feel it. like we, we only do that when we've had a meeting I feel like you can't just add a new person. We have a planning meeting. I when think, do we, have I think we should say hello to Ollie or Mrs. Deeks. I don't think both. So why don't we just, we'll be in Ollie this hello, week. Hello, Mrs. Deeks. Yeah, we'll but, just yeah. say hello to Mrs. Deeks. Yeah, hi, Mrs. Deeks. Uh, and, uh, and of course, to all at Nyack College. Yes. And their, their supreme emperor, Len, <laughs> Len Cagler, who will be at the National Youth Ministry weekend in just we, a few weeks' time. I know we're so excited about that. And also, today we've been talking about girls in gangs and, and engaging in exploitative behaviour and how we can kind of engage with them. We're going to be talking specifically about boys oh, yeah. involved in criminal behaviour. We've got some lovely speakers, Mike Royal, Nathan Dennis. So we'll be carrying on this conversation. I think we're going to try and drag Naomi into that as well, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. Try and get a sneaker onto the panel. So carrying on this conversation, what else is coming up for the weekend that we need to Well, Naomi's doing a thing at the National Yes, she is doing another weekend, thing, isn't she? You're doing a thing on platform too. Do you, do, I am do doing you, a thing on platform. Can you, you know tell us what this? you're doing? Um, yeah, I'm going to talk a little bit about this idea of like you can only lead to where you've gone before. Uh-huh. And um, so this idea of actually like as youth leaders, where do we need to up our game to lead our young people into greater freedom? Um, and particularly looking at like myself working with the young people in uh, central urban London. That awesome. makes more sense. I thought you meant like you can't literally lead someone. Like <laughs> you, you can't take to someone to Peckham unless you've first been to Peckham. Actually been to Peckham. No. Well, that would be for me. I have terrible sense of directions. So that would be true for me. So, lovely friends, there probably are three and a half tickets left. There's very few. So please book on and be there and we can't wait to hang out with you. Take care. Have an awesome week. So, since we recorded this podcast, you've all bought tickets. So the National Youth Ministry Weekend is now fully booked. Uh, See you there.